Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters with your host, Walker Neer and Brett Lindley. I'm Walker, and this week we're joined by friend of the pod and co-host of It Tastes Different, a gaming podcast that presents gaming-related topics from four different perspectives, Nick Irwin. If you'd like to support Pick Up Your Sticks, you can always buy us a cup of coffee at our Ko-Fi page, which is ko-fi slash pod. As always, I'm joined by my esteemed co-host, Brett Lindley. Brett, how are you doing this evening? I'm esteemed now. <laughs> this is true, yeah. I mean, last week, no steam. No, week, none. Full All of, of it. All the steam. Uh, and then, like I said in the intro, we are also joined by Nick Irwin from It Tastes Different. Nick, how are you doing tonight, man? Hey, how's it going? Doing good. Happy awesome. to be here. Yeah, well, thanks so Great. much for stopping by. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, obviously, like I said, you're, you're part of the It Tastes Different uh, podcast, but you've got a few different co-hosts there. Uh, maybe talk to us a little bit about what It Tastes Different is all about. Yeah, it's pretty much a, a gaming podcast. Uh, on Tuesdays, we do we pretty much release a review of a game. So I'm sorry, on Fridays we do. So we'll review, we'll pick a game as a as a group and play it, and then do a review that comes out on Fridays. And then on Tuesdays is some sort of topic, gaming topic, you know, whatever that may be. Mm. Uh, awesome. Yeah. So and then and then you you've got the the four different co-hosts and and the mm-hmm. idea is that like each person kind of brings their own perspective. I mean obviously you're all individuals, but then do you guys also primarily have backgrounds in different platforms or or different game types that are your favorite or something like that? We do. Um, you know, there's like I said there's four of us here. Uh Really, it's kind of like two and two, you know, two of us, me and my buddy Shane that's on there as well. Uh, we're very similar in our taste of gaming. Mm. So we like a lot of the same things. There are some things that we don't like that, you know, one of the other likes. And then uh, Patrick and Russell, which is the other two, they kind of like the same stuff. So but they also have their differences and things that they don't like. So what we try to bring is that perspective of four different gamers that do like some things and don't like other things and kind of give our perspectives of, you know, what we like and what we don't like. So it allows people listening to kind of give four different opinions on a game or a topic. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, I think it's a really cool idea and it, it, it's, it's something, I mean, obviously, you know, here at pick up your sticks, we've just got our, our, our two selves, but, but we try and, in look at topics in gaming from a broader perspective. And so, you know, obviously that's what you guys are doing with the four, the four co-hosts. Um, but I appreciate that because I mean, it's, it's not unique to gaming, you know, everything. It seems like it's a product of social media maybe is so binary now. Like everyone has to take a hard stance, you know, I either love this or I hate it. And so many things don't really can't be defined that way. There's nuance, right? There's some good things, some bad things. And so having that broader perspective, um, I don't know, helps illuminate that. And honestly, I think helps have a more fair conversation about a particular topic or game to get different perspectives, you know what I mean? And not just be mainlined on, on one idea. Right. Yeah. Not, you know, not any gamers one sided on things. So, mm-hmm. you know, having those different perspectives helps with, and I think with anybody that, you know, regardless of the fact that some of us like the same things, you know, we do have very, uh, and depending on certain topics or games, a lot of a big distinction between what we like and don't like about a certain game or a certain topic. And that really starts sparks the conversation. Right. Especially having four of us. And it's a little difficult, you know, keeping things 
in line with having four people, but, you know, we try to kind of take turns with it and, you know, let one person kind of talk when everyone else just kind of waits around for the other person to make their point mm-hmm. and then we kind of, you know, spin off from there. So, uh, and then sometimes we overlay each other, but, you know, uh, essentially I think it works out pretty well. Yeah. And I don't mean to, to just flatter you outright or anything, but I've, you know, I've listened to episodes and I, I will say for having four hosts, it certainly could be a chaotic scene, but it's not. You guys do an excellent job of, like you said, engaged listening um, and, and a good job of like when someone finishes a point, I've noticed that they'll usually end by saying, so that's kind of what I think. Nick, what do you think about that? Or Shane, what's your opinion on this to kind of naturally lead the next person? in. so it actually I mean, I haven't listened to every single episode, but the episodes I've heard. There's not a lot of crosstalk. It, it's pretty um, it's pretty well organized. So kudos to you guys for <laughs> managing sure. the four different hosts like that. That's good. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, we got one person that I guess a friend of one of ours that listens to the podcast and said they would like more of that crosstalk. And I'm like, oh, the only problem with the crosstalk is that you can't understand what anybody's saying at that right. point. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's so. I mean, we've had our own instances where. You know, it's it's hard sometimes you get excited you you a, an awesome point gets brought up and you just have to reply you want to reply and and resisting that urge i mean again it's a little bit easier with two of us and and sometimes there's even crosstalk there where it's like mm-hmm. i, I want to make a point but i think i should wait or oops i interrupted but now i'm here so <laughs> yeah right i'm going to interject myself here now <laughs> i have to i can't i can't not say this <laughs> So, um, obviously, you know, we don't have the other three hosts here this evening, so we'll focus in on, on kind of what your background with gaming is. So, um, I, when did you start gaming? Where, where does, where does gaming start for you? Oh man, I've been gaming forever. Um, I remember my brother got a Nintendo for Christmas when he, when I was three and he pretty much didn't play that thing. So I did. And that's pretty much where it started. Uh, from there, I've had pretty much every console. Well, I should say every console on the Nintendo side. The Sega side of things, my cousin actually had all those, which lived next door, so I could just walk over there and play those. But, uh, you know, so he had all the Sega, Sega Genesis, Saturns, 3DOs, 32Xs, all that stuff, Sega CD. So just go over there and play that. But I had the, you know, Nintendo, uh, Super Nintendo, even had the Virtual Boy. Oh, that wow. Nice. That's a that's a rare find sometimes wow. nowadays. Yeah. Get that Mario. It was a, what, tennis? Tennis mm-hmm. was the one that I remember the most from the Virtual Boy. Yep. And it had uh, Wario's Woods, I think, on it, too. And, <laughs> wow. Yeah, what is Wario's Woods? What game is that? <laughs> I think it's a good. puzzle game, I think. Okay. <laughs> I'm actually kind of surprised that Wario was, I guess, still, in, in my mind, that's still too early for Wario. Like, I, I forget that he goes that far back. This is completely a departure here from the question I asked Nick, but I just have to, again, here we are interjecting, right? <laughs> but, like, am I the only one that thinks that Wario and Waluigi are insanely lazy characters? Like, they just turned... It's bad, Mario. <laughs> well, I'm like, I'm, I mean... sure, I'm sure there's a lore. I'm sure there is. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but, like... Where do they are? They estranged brothers? Are they clones? Are they failed experiments? Time travelers? Parallel dimensions? I don't know what it is. I'm sure there is lore. I'm sure somebody knows, but it's not pop culture enough for me to 
to care. <laughs> Do you know Nick? I don't know. I yeah. don't know where they spouted off from. They just arrived one day, just appeared in the in, you know in the Mario <laughs> universe. Yeah, yeah. There. Maybe like maybe the first time I saw Wario might have maybe it was back then with like Virtual Boy. I don't know. The first time I really remember Wario would be probably maybe a Mario Kart or like a Mario Tennis mm-hmm. or something like that, but. I want to say, and I might be completely wrong. I want to say he was in Yoshi's Cookie back mm-hmm. in the day. I don't he think I might have been. See, I've played a ton of Yoshi's Cookie, but I don't remember. Yeah, I there's, remember. there's a point in my life where there's a, there's a bunch of hazy memories, and that exists in that era <laughs> of my twenties where we were playing Yoshi's Cookie at three o'clock in the morning for God knows what reason. But <laughs> stone cold sober too. Of so. course, of course. <laughs> That's why the memory is so clear. Right. <laughs> Perfect way to play it. <laughs> um, well, anyway, so, yeah, so you said that you you played, you know, obviously up through SNES and then and then just kept on ever since then, just basically all the major consoles or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, everything, handhelds, major consoles, PCs. It doesn't matter. If it plays video games, I'm going to play it. Pretty right. <laughs> so... I, what what do you think? What would you say? And you know, I, I don't really even like the term favorite. I guess because it's so whatever. It's too it's too too pigeonholed. But I mean, what what is your your most played genre? What's your maybe one of your favorite genres when it comes to gaming? Um, I would have to say for me personally, it's RPGs. Mm. I love RPGs. Like I can't get in. You know, those uh, I'll always play, even the weird spinoff ones that don't really make any sense. Um, but those are my fondest memories too. Um, I think one of my most favorite games of all time, you know, we did one of our first early podcasts was doing a top five of our top five games. Mm. And my number one was final fantasy three or six, mm. you know, depending on if you want to do, go by uh, the U S counting of final fantasy right, or right. the Japan counting. Uh, I'd love that game. I still love that game to this day and still play it. So it's one of my favorite Final Fantasies. But Final Fantasy, so Final Fantasy 3 slash 6. So that's actually, for lack of a better way to say it, that actually has like a, what people would think of as a more traditional Final Fantasy story, right? Because like actual Final Fantasy 3, like the original Final Fantasy 3, is just them the characters chasing around crystals, if I remember correctly. But there's not really it's not the same kind of Final Fantasy like subverting reality kind of <laughs> storyline like they started doing as they moved forward. Right. Yeah. I think six was their first kind of you know, I think even five was that same sense of just chasing down crystals. Mm. Whereas six was that real kind of trying to get a little deeper into the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, elements of things because now you have like a main villain which is Kafka and then mm-hmm. you know halfway through the game if you know spoiler alert if you haven't played this game it's like what, <laughs> 20 years old now but uh, <laughs> um, you know the world gets turned upside down everything goes dark and there's this whole like middle game you can lose characters in that game mm-hmm. like some of your main some of your uh, characters you can get you can actually miss characters completely yeah um, there's there's a lot of characters that you can only unlock with ridiculously long side quests and you can mm-hmm. just skip them entirely like i think the <laughs> ninjas one that's one of the harder ones to unlock if i remember but... well shadow you you get shadow as part of your team but he's the one you can actually lose okay that's uh, it. when you're on the floating continent if you don't wait long enough he actually dies up there and you're, mm-hmm. and you're gone for the rest of the game huh. uh, yeah and then there's one character i think his name is gogo or something like that he's like a vagabond on an island somewhere and you have to go to that island and to get him if you don't you just 
don't get him. Mm. Yeah, I remember that was really my first introduction to fantasy and sci-fi at the same time. Like, Magitech armor blew my mind. <laughs> like, it's a robot that casts spells. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and they use that, uh, you know, at the beginning of the game, they use that, uh, they have that little cutscene where they're in the Magitech going through the mm. snow, and that was, like, one of the games for the Super Nintendo that used that, oh, what is that, 3D chipset that they had for, like, wow. Star Fox and stuff. Yep. And they use that little thing to make the little roaming landscape as it's going across. So that was really cool. Cutting <laughs> edge time. visual technology. It was, it's a parallax scrolling background. Like. I know. It's so cool. I wanted it as my screensaver. Yeah. No, it's a good one. It's a good one. It's better than flying toasters. <laughs> it will just throw way back. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, um, so RPGs, you say, probably favorite genre. Mm-hmm. And then you said Final Fantasy is your, your number one game of all time. And I this is kind of a loaded question because I already know the answer because this is part of our friendship is that and that Brett can now roll his eyes and sigh deeply because we both love MMOs um, quite a bit. Yep, for sure. <laughs> when I say we, I mean you and me, not Brett. <laughs> <laughs> we usually we see we, we like to see how quickly how quick into the episode before I mention an MMO. Um, <laughs> Regardless of topic. It's so we made game. it 13 minutes this time. So. I mean, it's not in the intro, so I'm all right. I'm That's all right. true. It's not in the intro. <laughs> we're going to re-record it when we're done. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, so if you don't mind, maybe talk about your, your history with MMOs a little bit, because I, I think that's interesting. Um, I think my first MMO that I played, which is kind of an MMO, kind of not, I guess it depends on how you look at it, was Fantasy Star Online. Past, mm. so for that one, that was my first foray into the MMO kind of structure, and that one, that one was an MMO in a sense. You know, it had those MMO elements and stuff. It was kind of more linear in its mission structure because you only had like four missions that you had to repeat over and over again. Oh, um, you know, you had to be online. You played with other people. You know, at that time it was fifty six k modem. So you know, of course, every time a phone call came, you get kicked offline. So. Mm-hmm. I made my parents get me a second phone line for that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, but uh, yeah, that was my first foray into that. And then from there, I never did get into, I, I wanted to get into EverQuest and Azrin's Call, but I never got into those. Those kind of started to die off when I uh, kind of started getting interested in, in those games. And then I think at the time, World of Warcraft was starting to kind of, be talked about and i remember playing the beta through that mm. and uh really liked that and then played that for quite a bit uh played final fantasy 11 for a long time uh did play Azure's call 2 until it went away and then everquest 2 which was okay uh, you know as far as mmos i've tried a ton of them i mean yeah it's hard to find a good one right it it sure is i mean you're you're actually the only other person that i that I know personally that um, that's tried as many, if not more MMOs than I have. Um, and yeah, you're absolutely, I mean, and, and when I say that, to be clear, some of them I've tried for 20 minutes and I was right. like, yeah, I'm done with this. I don't care. Um, and some of them obviously much, much longer, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that MMOs are a really, it's a really unique space in gaming and it's, it's interesting the variety of things that they offer 
And sometimes, I, I don't know, it's almost kind of like the jack of all trades problem where for the most part, MMOs do a lot of things, but rarely do they do anything really, really, really well. You know what I mean? Like it's all kind of middling <laughs> in some way. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's only those good, like few MMOs out there now, nowadays. You have, mm-hmm. you know, World of Warcraft is still, you know, still king as far as MMOs go. Um, I, I think World of Warcraft has kind of lost its way, and I think it's time to kind of kill off World of Warcraft and maybe make World of Warcraft 2 or just something different, maybe Diablo MMO or StarCraft MMO or just something brand new from Blizzard as far as that goes. I mean, they just came out with Shadowlands. I think that's getting pretty good reviews, but I think the last time I played WoW was Battle of Azeroth, which was okay. Yeah. Um, Final Fantasy 14 is still going strong. That's a really good MMO. I Agreed. think it's, I think personally it's probably the best one out on the market to play if you're going to play an MMO. Uh, Ever or Elder Scrolls Online is doing really well. That that's an MMO that I've played a few times and played a lot of it. And that's always one that for some reason and and I don't know why it's got a huge player base. It's always one MMO that I'll play for you know, I might play for a, m- a month or you know a few weeks or so, and then it just I just completely lose interest in it. Yeah, um, and then I'll go away for it for a long time, then I'll come back, you know, a year later or something. Um, Star Wars, I that that one's okay. Um, they just need to just Kotor plus MMO, just and just do it that way. That's kind of what they tried to do, really, isn't it? Uh, kind of. Yeah, they didn't do it well enough then, because no. not high enough on my radar. <laughs> no, they didn't do it well enough. Uh, they really should have just—I don't know. They, uh, I don't know. They should just make Kotor three and just skip them. That's also true. Yeah, I—I I don't know though. I mean, as a as a betting person, I've I've mentioned to a lot of people like if I bet on something, bet against me because you'll win. And that was another famous bet that I made was like. WoW is not going to last. Warcraft Online is not going to last. StarCraft is going to raffle stomp it. And WoW will never... It'll be... It'll die with EverQuest. Like, it's not going to happen. And yeah, Hmm. here we are 20 years later. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah, new expansion just came out. Like, Mm -hmm. number 10 or something like that. Meanwhile, they're discontinuing support for StarCraft. For Star, yeah, StarCraft is dying. <laughs> and wow, it's, yep. Yeah, I mean, I think that MMOs, um, I think that WoW, obviously WoW did a lot of great for MMOs because they expanded the um, size of the audience pretty significantly and made it more mainstream. Um, so I appreciate that. And I, I don't even think that WoW necessarily did something wrong as much as that it was just so successful that I think where like Star Wars, it's not Galaxies, what is it? The Old Republic, I guess, is the mm-hmm. MMO. I think where where that and a lot of games stumble is that they just try they're trying to chase WoW too much, mm-hmm. right? Like whatever systems they want to have, whatever uniqueness they want to have, it seems like there's always some part of them that goes back to like, well, but we've got to do this like WoW does it, or we've got to have this because right. WoW has it. And it, it just kind of makes this diluted, watered-down thing that ultimately isn't as good as WoW and doesn't really have anything to stand on on its own to be distinct, you know? Well, it's like they, they're they trying to look at MMOs as if they were a genre, and it's it's really not. It's a style. Like, it's not like a platformer where 
if you copy like the base mechanics of platformers were all kind of set you know by mario but even before then there were plenty of there's plenty of stuff that mario does that commander keen did you know like there's a there's a formula for it but there's not a formula for the base foundation of what makes an mmo yeah and i think like eve proves that like that that's so far different but yeah. but so many other companies aren't chasing they're like you said they're chasing they're just trying to recreate instead of innovate yeah yeah yeah, they're trying to get that that casual market, you know, that WoW has. And, you know, WoW, when it first started out, it was kind of more hardcore. And then they went extreme casual with it. And I think that's what a lot of MMOs are trying to capture, that casual market where, you know, that casual market came. You know, it, it kind of stayed around WoW, but it's kind of died off. And the only people you have left are those hardcore MMO players that are trying to look for something to play. And uh, everything's just so casual and easy now. It's like, I don't want to invest time in this anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I've I've come to a strange place with it, though, where it's like I... I like, I love the idea of, like, a sandbox MMO. Like, Brett, just earlier this year, started playing this game, Dual Universe. That was a new space sandbox MMO that just in beta. Um, I went back to Albion Online after a three-year hiatus and, and tried that out again. And and it's like there's a lot of ideas to it because those games like EVE are pretty different from, you know, a WoW or something. And so it's like, oh, man, I want to get into this. But the time sink is so significant that I ultimately just don't. You know what I mean? So it's like I, I, I find myself in a weird place with MMOs where on the one hand, I agree with you that the casualness or maybe the accessibility is another way to position it. It can be detrimental, but at the same time, I, I like I, I tried to go play EverQuest one in the last two years at one point. It's too much. Like I don't want to play that. You know what I mean? It's too it's too invested. Well, games don't come with boxes anymore, so there's no manual. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I think like I don't know. I think that you can capture a casual market and still make an engaging MMO. I think Personally, I don't see why Pokemon World hasn't like Pokemon Go proved that the whole planet will participate <laughs> in a Pokemon game. There's like 800 or 1000 Pokemon now. Just do the whole planet of Pokemon. Put all the continents on there, randomize some starting locations and let people bat like just open it up and I think that that would have that would be in my mind the only like instant wow contender outside of some new our IP that comes out that just suddenly gets popular like in Among Us or whatever but like a, an established RP that could compete I would say that a Pokemon MMO would be kind of instantly jump the ranks or would it follow the same fate as your wow prediction Probably that, but I, I would hope that Pokemon Go at least proves that there's right. yeah. like that was a, a breakout. So I don't know. Take yeah. the ARG out of it and just make it an RPG, and right. I don't know. That's a winning formula, if you ask me. Yeah, they kind of did that with uh, that. Uh, it's not Pokemon, but Tim Tim. I think it's what's called mm -hmm. that one on Steam. I own it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that's that's kind of like MMO light, right? Because you yeah. play online with other people. It's just you don't have the you, the IP draws in your initial right. player base too, though. Like you get such a higher player base from 
getting a Pikachu. Like (laughs) a game that we've talked a lot about on this show is a game called Levelhead. That's Mm -hmm. kind of like a. I I hate to say it, but it's it's similar to like a Mario Maker, right? Is the easiest way to explain it. But because it's not Mario, it struggles to gain that audience, even though as a game, it's just as polished, just as good. In a lot of ways, way better. Yeah, but it's not it doesn't have that mario weight behind it so it mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't have that same pull it doesn't have wario <laughs> right right there you go i don't think mario maker has wario <laughs> and waluigi can't get a game to save can't his even life. Get smash brothers can't get into smash i don't it's know why they character. refuse it's not valid i don't accept that's what i say to you well you know luigi gets a bad rap and so they got to stick it to Waluigi. So. I think it's because Waluigi is more popular than Luigi. <laughs> and so they don't want to, they want to like force feed Luigi down everybody's throats. And... Right. <laughs> like you like, like his brother. Come on. Yeah. You love him. You love, love green, the green one. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, we want the purple one. They're like, no, you don't. <laughs> That's funny. Here, I'll give you the yellow Mario. No. <laughs> what do you think about, um, Kind of, you know, so MMOs obviously, you know, like you'd said, started, and I, you know, obviously there's a lot in the beginning, but EverQuest is, is probably the the flagship of the old school era, right? And then WoW is obviously the flagship of the the second, but now in the last, I don't know, six seven years, and really more solidified in the last few, we've seen a transition where now MMOs are games like Destiny or The Division or Anthem, which I mean failed, but where it, it's it's not an MMO in the same way that WoW is, because it's not this one giant persistent world that everyone's in, but it is still this kind of shared world experience. You are still playing with other people. There are still raids. There's still gear to farm. Um, what, what's your what do you think about those types of, of games? Uh, those I would call an MMO light. Yeah, you know, just the game that it. It, it, like you said, it's this persistent world. You know, it's not really MMO. It's, it's an MMO light. It has the MMO trappings, but it's really, you know, it can be a multiplayer or a single player experience. Um, so, I mean, those are fun, but the, I think those have those place, their place outside of MMOs. Uh, I don't look them at both the same. You know, MMOs have that, I don't know, they have that unique feel to them uh, and that unique uh, way that they're structured compared to uh, things like Destiny and stuff, where they they seem just completely, I don't know, more story-driven, single-player experiences that are that have an online community surrounding them. Have you, have you ever done a raid, like in Destiny 2? No. They don't have matchmaking. <laughs> yeah, they don't. That's true. They don't. I, I, I only did it a handful of times, and I had to go through some third-party site that... Right. Me find a group, and I, I will say it was actually a really great experience. The people I got paired with were all really nice, and I didn't know the fights at all, and they all had experience, and they were happy to walk me through it, and uh, I felt very lucky <laughs> that that was the experience I had. But the the reason I ask is just because, like, I was really blown away by some of the raid mechanics in Destiny Two, and it's like as impressive as WoW raids are, or as impressive as Final Fantasy fourteen raids are it's just very different than something like what destiny can offer. I mean, obviously it's a smaller group and you know, there's different mechanics in play, but also just from a graphical perspective, like 
the MMO, the traditional MMO that we're kind of thinking of, graphically is so limited compared to something like a Destiny or or an Anthem even that, again, wasn't really popular. But, I mean, man, it's just, I don't know. I, I would like to see a game like WoW or Final Fantasy XIV, like with that kind of premise, except moved into the <laughs> modern era of, of graphics. I mean, that, like... For me, the only real, like, like, cause I've, I've had a little bit of experience. It's not that I hate all MMOs or anything, but for me, what really kind of sticks out as the, the progenitor of some of that really is Warframe. And mm-hmm. I've done some raiding and I, I've, I've done the open planet when they, then they finally released that. Cause it was, it definitely was MMO light where it was like four people to a team for the most part, eight on their epic missions, which weren't really raids, but they kind of were. Right. And then then they released their kind of open planet area, which did have full massive raid bosses and stuff that you could attack and, and take down. And I mean, that was a pretty intense experience, but I, I would I would still kind of agree that they're still fairly single player story driven. Um, and the, the multiplayer stuff is kind of tangential to that They're They've opened up a lot more, especially now that they have several open planets now. But it it is it is just impressive to see even that because warframe depending on how you want to scale it can go from medium good graphics to pretty good graphics if you can handle it like i think it's a really pretty game yeah for sure warframe has definitely tried to go kind of more open world especially lately with their new areas well i think warframe's an excellent example Brad. i mean you, you know you brought up eve before I think Warframe is another great example of a game company that just kind of staked their claim and picked their direction and kind of unapologetically just went went for it. And and I mean, to their credit, they've been really engaged with the community and have mm-hmm. really just done a, a real... I mean, I, we probably should do an episode on Warframe. We really should, yeah. Because I think maybe they're one of the good guy developers. I think know? so too, yeah. There's the the story of them like giving a guy a bunch of money back because they charged too much for a microtransaction and wasn't aware that somebody was going to gamble away like $2,000. And when they saw it, they were like, no, this is wrong. You take your money back and we're changing our pricing model. Like, who does that? Right. Like, it's it's advertised in like gaming conferences. They teach you like how to get whales. <laughs> and like, here's them saying, no, that's not what we want. But yeah, no, I agree. I think it it's and they've they have evolved they have changed which like you know nick said is is it's a different game now so their category is almost shifting from mmo light toward full-blown mmo um but they are just trying to kind of find their own way of how to do that and i don't know i think it's really interesting i'd like to see more companies try something like that so what do you think nick and i'm not trying to put you on the spot just just kind of you know spitballing here but what do you think defines the more traditional mmo like what is it about final fantasy or warcraft that makes that feel like an mmo versus something like destiny doesn't i i would i'm not quite sure you know mmos have that i don't know if there's that certain structure i don't know if it's uh quest structure or just the way that it plays mm-hmm. you know all mmos have that kind of way that they play that you just you know that you're playing an MMO, whereas right. those types of games, they don't have that feeling. Like when I play Destiny, I don't feel like I'm playing an MMO. I just feel like I'm playing a cooperative game with my friends. You mm-hmm. know that. You know, of course, there's other people around, but I don't really care that they're there. Maybe Got it's it. that fact. You know, maybe it's that in an MMO, you do 
you see all these people doing their own things and you know because like in destiny there could be stint, a lot of stints in time where you don't see other people right uh, whereas in mmo you're always going to find somebody doing something and you know and you kind of join in with them you know it's not like a a system either where necessarily in a lot of MMOs nowadays where you have to join in a party, right? They have those events where if, as long as you're all in a collective group, you kind of insta join a party, mm -hmm. you know, just for that event or something, which destiny doesn't do. It, it kind of does in a way, I guess everybody that's contributing to the event gets the rewards, but you're right. not kind of put together in a pool. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It just has this different feeling to it. It's kind of weird, I guess. Well, in thinking about it while in listening to, you, to, to that, because you're you're right, it is kind of hard to describe. I think maybe something that jumps out is that in a game like Destiny, there's not really synergies between the characters. Like if we're in a group fighting something, we're both just trying to shoot it in the head or whatever its weak spot is. Whereas in an MMO, a more traditional MMO, maybe you're the tank and I'm the healer. And now we have very defined roles and we're depending on each other in a way that you're not really in something like Destiny. Right, they don't have that holy trinity, right, yeah. in, in those. I feel like there's kind of a distinction that needs to be made, which is that MMO colloquially and kind of traditionally, traditionally stood for MMORPG, mm -hmm. but it doesn't anymore. Because I, I'm kind of thinking, like, while the you know there are a lot of games that may be considered MMOs, but that definitely aren't MMORPGs, like, I, I immediately kind of comes to mind as Planet Side. Mm. You can't not call that an MMO because there are hundreds of people, thousands oh. of people playing simultaneously to achieve goals and objectives, but it's definitely not an RPG and there's not a Holy Trinity, but there is more of like a team fortress style kind of class system or something. So it, it is, and it's definitely can't not be called a massive multiplayer online game. Cause it's not even like a battlegrounds game that has a hundred player cap in an instance or something. It's, it's like everyone, mm -hmm. but so it is massive and it's multiplayer and it's online. But I think that colloquially, when at least even when I hear the term MMO, I think MMORPG. Yeah. Or I think of that. I think of I think of RPGs when I hear it, but I don't think MMORPG because nobody's ever used the term MMORPGs. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's not it's not subdivided that way. It's just called an MMO. Yeah. And so I, I think that there is some some lost translation in there that maybe I don't know. Do you think that that distinction needs to come back? I feel like MMOs nowadays, especially especially now, are kind of dying. It's kind of a dying yeah. genre. You know, we do have some MMOs in early access and stuff. It, it would be helpful if they did partition those MMOs out like that, where it is an MMO FPS and an MMO whatever they want to come up with mm -hmm. um you know then of course you have your sandboxes which seem to be really popular lately i mean yeah. there's even that new sandbox coming out by amazon yep. um mm -hmm. helix uh yeah new world which i played a little bit of and if you like sandboxes it's definitely up your alley um so i'm not a fan personally of sandboxes but i kind of like the theme park <laughs> mmo the truth is, is that I've spent the most of, I mean, I've played, you know, years of my life have been spent <laughs> in front of an MMO, right? right. Um, and most of that time is theme park. So as much as I say, I like the sandbox, really, I like the idea of the sandbox because it's like Brett and I. I'll, I'll agree with you there. About yeah. The 
Well, and like Brett and I, for years on PC Gamer, they will write stories from EVE Online. Like they'll they'll share stories like it was like it's a news article almost, right. but it's just something that happened in EVE. And I mean, you get literal years long conspiracies that play out, and you just that just can't exist in a game like WoW because there's not the the systems aren't there to support it. You know what I mean? Like the most political weight you can have in wow is to be like a guild leader or a raid leader but right it doesn't really matter <laughs> right and i love eve online I mean, yeah but the thing about eve online is i always feel when i play that game it, it, if i come back into it after a while and i always feel like i don't belong here you mm-hmm. know that, that game gives me that yeah. feeling like i yep, shouldn't yep. be here uh i'll just leave now you know <laughs> even though <laughs> yeah. i really want to play it because i really like it but yeah, and, and I don't think the community is just not – it's not like the community is not welcoming. It's just like there's so much going on in that yeah. game that I just yep. – The game itself is kind of testing. It's not the community that's testing it. The game itself is like, are you sure you want to do this? Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> do you want to go down this rabbit hole? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I don't. So, yeah. I, I mean, think... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no. Go ahead. I was going to say the last time I played EVE – well, actually, the last time I played Eve, I, I rage quit because I got ganked in safe space. But other times prior to that, <laughs> when I quit, it was it would be because I would get into it. And then I would be like, OK, well, if I'm going to get into this, I got I to gotta get this spreadsheet out and start mapping out these things. And then I was like, man, I don't even I don't even put this much work into my real life. Like, I can't. I can't do this. Like I gotta, I gotta go to a gym or something if I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna make a spreadsheet about what's in my pantry before, yeah, I, before right. I figure out the thousand systems. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, too too many systems in that game. I mean, it's just it, it's one of those games. I feel like you know, if you didn't get if you didn't get into it when it first started, then you might as well just not just read the news it. articles. <laughs> just read about the big app. What I do? Epic battles that are going on and the corporations mm-hmm. fighting each other. So do you are you playing any MMOs currently or or now that you're constantly trying to review games for the podcast and stuff do you do you struggle to have time for an MMO? No, I I don't play any currently. Um if I would be playing an MMO it would be Final Fantasy 14. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much the only one I typically go back to you know the majority of the time than anything else. But right now no. And, you know, with the podcast and reviewing games, it's kind of hard to just play the games you want to play, right? Because they're constantly, we're constant. I mean, we always come out with a new review on uh, Fridays. So we're constantly playing just game after game after game. And right. some games I don't want to play, but, <laughs> yep. but whatever. I'll Do you play see it. yourself making uh, a lot of use of Xbox Game Pass now? Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> I, I, yeah, Game Pass is fantastic. I mean, you get the ultimate version which is you know you get your games on xbox and pc for 15 dollars yeah. a month and it's right. like you know there's tons of games on there to play and and the great thing about game pass personally is i found a lot of games that i thought i would never play right mm-hmm. just be like oh, i'll try this out and find out oh this is a pretty cool game right i i personally have uh played a couple games that i thought i wanted to play and I'm really glad that I didn't spend money on them because I did not end up really wanting. I was like, oh, man, I, I've wanted this game forever. I'm going to download it. I'm going to play it. And most notably, it was like Alien Isolation. Like, I apparently just can't do horror games. I stress out way too hard. <laughs> so, Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of cool games on there. You know, I, 
barely scratched the surface of them. But there's a lot of cool games on there I've, that I've played. Um, the really cool platform, or not platform, it's a puzzle game. Uh, the gar- Between the Gardens or Garden Between Us or something like that. Hmm. Hmm. It's like, a, it's not a very long game. It's like this, uh, you're basically trying to figure out, you're going through this little level, kind of linear level, but you're you're manipulating time. Like, uh, as you go along the level, the time in the level uh, goes with you. And if you go backwards, the time goes back. And so certain objects and things will fall in the level and you have to, like, stop time at a certain point to make them, you know, manipulate things. It's a cool little puzzle game, but I would have never played it. I just downloaded it one day and I was like, oh, this is pretty neat. Right. Yeah, we've been so I, you know, neither of us have Xbox Ones or or the new Xbox X or I don't even know what it's called. Um <laughs> but we both are avid PC gamers and I had signed up for Origin Access previously and did that for a couple of years and and thought that was a great deal and then just this year they opened up the Xbox PC Pass for PC gamers. So you don't have to have an Xbox in order to, to get all those games on PC. Right. And yeah, Brett and I have signed up in the last few months and it's just, it's just, it's just the best deal in gaming. Like I can't really believe, <laughs> I can't believe that we finally have, it's not Netflix. I mean, Netflix has thousands of titles, so it's not that big of a library, but it's in that direction, right. Of, of just a subscription for more games than you could possibly play in a, in a given month. Yeah, and they add new ones all the time, and you know, of course, they take some out. But the nice thing about it too is they'll tell you what titles are going to take out and when, yeah. so it gives you a chance to go and play them. And I believe uh, you get a discount too if you mm-hmm. buy one Most of the titles time. in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If they're if they're going to be removing it, they'll offer you like for a week after it's removed some kind of coupon, which I think is a great way to add for like indie developers or kind of mid range developers. Because it allows you essentially to get a demo of the full version of the game, but it doesn't remove the possibility of a sale if you have a game that is, you know, more than a couple of hours of gameplay or something that somebody wants to get hooked on, then there's they still have the opportunity to buy the game at a discount. You still get a sale off of it. And again, like you said, you may get some people playing that wouldn't have played if it or waited for a deep, deep discount on a Steam sale or something that are now suddenly popping in to check it out. Right. Or like, you know, multiplayer with your friends or something. You're like, hey, mm-hmm. I don't know what this is, but it's got multiplayer. Cool. Let's right. Play. Yeah. Everybody, <laughs> let's just all get it because, yeah. So when it comes to, to games, um, I'll try and give an example to, to help frame what I'm trying to ask. But so like for, for me, I am, I mean, obviously I like story and, and whatever. I don't only like game mechanics, but I am definitely much more motivated in a game by how interested I am in maybe the mechanics or maybe the choices I can make or, you know, what I'm going to unlock next or, or whatever, that kind of thing. But it, it's usually much more tied to the game and not that Brett doesn't care about game mechanics or something like that, but, but he is someone who like, even if the game isn't like still the most fun thing he's played, if he's close to the end, like he's going to try and finish it because he cares about what the story is or whatever. Where mm-hmm. I am, I gotta, I gotta have that cutscene. That cutscene fuels me. <laughs> I will just straight up quit on the last boss if I don't oh. think it's fun anymore. Like I just don't care. Where do you kind of fall in that? Are you either one or somewhere in the middle there? Oh uh, no, I'm, I'm more in Brett's uh, showcase uh, wheelhouse. There, I will finish <laughs> the game if it's if I'm that close, especially to the end. I don't care if it's crappy. I'll, I'll still finish it up. Um, yeah. you know, or even 
you even go through a game that I don't feel is great. Um, the one game I played recently, which is it's an all right game. It's kind of it's a little hard, but uh, is Ghost Run or yeah, Ghost Runner, mm. and you know it's an action platformer, and that one's <laughs> it's a it's a little difficult. I, I've heard it's easier to play on PC, but I played it on the the uh, Xbox, and uh, that game is pretty hard. And you know, we reviewed that one, and pretty much I think I was the only one that finished it, but. You know, mm. the first boss, I, I, it counts how many times you die. Mm. The first boss, and this was the only level that I died the most at, but the first boss I died 200 and like 90 wow. times or something like that. Wow. Yeah. So I, but I ended up, you know, beating the game essentially. And there's like maybe four bosses in the game, five bosses. But <laughs> So when you're <laughs> playing that first boss 290 times, are you thinking this is fun that whole time? It, it was kind of a mixture, like somewhat fun, somewhat like I'm going to I'm going to get there and destroy this boss. You know, it was kind of like I'm I've made it this far. The, the nice thing about the game, though, is when you do die, it loads back very quickly, mm-hmm. so you don't have that long loading, you know, window. I, I feel like if this game wasn't that way, where you had to wait like a minute or two for it to load back into right. the level, I would have just stopped. I mean, I think that you know Walker and I both had some of that with Ori in the Blind Forest, mm-hmm. where we both had different parts where we died a lot and yeah. got that. It, it, it gets that like spiteful anger. We're like, no, I'm going to beat this. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I love Ori though. Ori, both of them are fantastic. I haven't finished the second one, but I Same. what what I've played of the second one, I feel like it's far superior to the first one. And mm-hmm. I I agree. We both like the first one quite a bit. Um, some of the things I thought got a little tired, but but I mean, overall, great game, gorgeous, gorgeous art. I, I, oh yeah. Well, and that's the next thing I was going to ask you is, and again, obviously everything kind of matters. It's not just one thing, but when you're looking at a game like. Is it art that appeals to you the most? Is it mechanics? Is it sound? Like I know Brett's really, really inspired a lot, a lot of times by the soundtrack of a game, right? I mean, maybe that's not enough to play it on its own, but that that's a really significant thing. What do you think draws you in the most? Uh, I would say it's it's mainly two aspects, and that would be story and gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, art and graphics, I. You know, I like a beautiful game like anybody else or a very artsy game, um, but it doesn't necessarily have to have that to draw me in. You right, know? right. Um, it's got to have fun gameplay, um, you know, tight controls and, and good and a good story. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily have to, you know, if the first two are true, it doesn't necessarily have to have a good story for me to enjoy it. You right. Know? Um, I don't know if you ever played the old PC game Papers, Please. Mm-hmm. Do you ever play that? Yeah. <laughs> that that game, I mean, there is a story there somewhere. I, I'm sure I'm, there was some sort of a story, but that game was just fun, right? Yeah, and right. it's so weird. Um, <laughs> it's a very weird game. That's yeah. definitely not a game I expected to be brought up. The thing about that game is like some people come up to you and be like, oh, this is obviously. No, I'm not letting you in. Mm-hmm. And then you just, you know throw them away and then it's like no they were perfectly fine it's like what are you kidding me <laughs> that person was guilty guilty you know, guilty there's no way yeah no way and the person that 
that person that would just seem like perfectly fine. You're like, oh yeah, I'm stamping them through. No, they were bad. And you're like, couldn't have been. They brought me cookies and everything. Come on. <laughs> they bribed me. How could they be bad? Yeah. It's a good thing that you're not a mid-level bureaucratic official. We've just learned because yeah. you can be subverted with cookies. I would have been. Uh, I would have been fired right away. <laughs> They're like, we don't have any people you let in today. Everyone. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think um I think I'm probably in the same boat. I mean, graphics to me can draw me in. Um like I like the Borderlands games a lot and there's a lot of things I like about them. But maybe my favorite thing about Borderlands is honestly just the art style of it. Like I just love how Borderlands looks. Um Yeah, but I if, love... the com- if the comedy wasn't there and the gameplay was sloppy, would you still no, but I would have still been compelled to try it just because of the. But yeah. you're right. No, it wouldn't. I wouldn't have stuck around if it wasn't actually a good game. So that's a very, a very valid point. Um, but then, and I don't mean to speak for him since he's not here. But one of your co-hosts, Nick Patrick, I know in talking to him in the past, uh, he he is kind of a graphic snob. Like if it doesn't look, if it's not like a modern. 1080p thing or 1080p is old now. What a 4K thing, an <laughs> 8K thing. Yeah, yeah, right. 8K, yeah, I'm so bad. He's out. He's out. Like he won't even look at it. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. He is a graphic snob. In in Rust, <laughs> which is also on the podcast, he's kind of in that same boat. Uh, Shane's kind of there, kind of not. He's kind of he, he likes a good graphical game, but you know he'll play something older. Whereas me, I'm more of a. I like the newer stuff, yes, but I'm more of a retro person so i'll play a lot of i mean i'll play go back and play the original castlevania you know well and i think it's i think it's so interesting now because graphics doesn't mean what it used to mean because it used to just be like like the crisis bar right right get like photorealism but now i mean you know walker and i have had a lot of conversations on games that have a unified and very finely tuned art style that may not be a 3d photorealistic game, like something like Gree, where, or even um, what's the, Oh Lord, the hand draw a cuphead like mm. cuphead has like 60 frames per second of hand drawn animations, but you wouldn't say that it's graphically intense in the same way that you would say a halo or a, you know, any modern FPS style, high intensity photorealistic graphic game would be, but it's still a very smooth and consistent art style and a very intense, you know, 4K experience or whatever, but it's not graphically intense. I don't in the same way that it you would say something was in like the early two thousands. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, Cuphead is its own thing in general. You know, I love the art style, the old like cartoon you yeah. know, art style that Cuphead has and uh you know, I hope that studio, I know they're making the expansion for that game and I hope they continue to make more games like that with that art style. You know, if they, even if they bring out something that's not Cuphead, I would, I hope they keep that art style and, right. and bring out something new with that. And I think that appeals to people, especially like maybe, uh, you know, young adults or maybe older adults, uh, kind of look at that art style and remember the cartoons when we were kids and, you know, our parents were kids or whatever. And, right. and you kind of remember seeing that art style. So, you know, but something like that, you know, they have a very particular art style. And I think that's what appeals people to that game. Other other than the fact that it's a really good game, a really good, you know, right. uh, side scrolling shooter. Um, but then you have, you know, 
for me, it's not all about the graphics. You know, that that doesn't make it's it's nice to have a pretty looking game and a nice graphical looking game, but that doesn't make the game good. In right. any any you know, it, it doesn't matter if that's you know as long as it plays good, uh, you know, and uh, if it's fun, if it has good gameplay, that's one thing. If it's a story, if if it's a good story or a mediocre story, that's a plus. Uh, you know, graphically. You know, I'm kind of in the middle there. It really doesn't matter as long as it doesn't look, you know, I guess as long as they put some effort into the graphics right. or, or into the design, I should say, more than the graphics, right? If they don't just like putting, you know, cookie cutter placeholders for everything. If you have if you have something that's like a three pixelated man, don't have a sketch of a monster, have a pixelated <laughs> monster. Right. Put some work into it. I mean, I think, you know, not to to go back to MMOs, but I do think that, that wow to me is the example that jumps out for what you're talking about, Brett, where, you know, wow has never been the prettiest MMO on the market. Um, and a lot of people will bet will, will hate on it because of its cartooniness or whatever, but I've always really appreciated its art style for exactly what you're talking about. It's got this consistent theme throughout and everything feels like it's a part of the world. Right. Um, whereas uh, this is such an obscure reference. I don't know if either of you have even seen this game, I don't know if it's on Game Pass or not. But anyway, it's called Bloodstained, like Ritual of the Night. And it's this 2D side-scroller action platformer kind of quasi-Castlevania-style game. And it, it it's it's so weird because you the character doesn't feel like it belongs in the world. And it's been a long time since I've experienced that. But it it like the movement doesn't feel right. Like, and it's not that it controls janky or is delayed or something. It just, I don't know. It looks like the world, like the character is like superimposed on top of the world as opposed to being in it. If that makes sense. Yeah. But, um, so Nick, what would you say, what would you say is, and again, it can be one of, it doesn't have to be the absolute, but what's the worst game that you think you've ever played? Um, the worst game I've ever played. It, well, if I'm thinking about recently, because you know, trying to think of older games might hurt my brain. But um, <laughs> <laughs> trying to think about recently, uh, the one that we just reviewed not too long, or uh, that I think just came out um, uh, last week, was Bright Memory. Hmm. And Bright Memory, um, I wouldn't say that's the worst though. Bright Memory is pretty bad, but Bright Memory is kind of like a prologue to Bright Memory Infinite that's supposed to be coming out, I think, next year. Um, it's a hodgepodge of every game genre. It's stuck into one game. It's really weird. Um, but it is only made by one creator, so kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. I think the worst game I played recently was uh, the G.I. Joe game, Operation Blackout, that came out, I think, a couple months ago. That game was horrible. I didn't even hear of that. I mean, that's okay. You don't need to. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I, I'm more than welcome to have skipped that one. <laughs> right. Well, the thing about it was, is the reason why we were going to review it, just to kind of give a little backstory, is yeah. one of the guy, Russ, he wanted to review the game. We're like, okay, cool. And he says it has co-op, like, all right, awesome. G.I. Joe co-op game. Kind of looks like Borderlands graphically. Hmm. Sweet. You know? So... <laughs> The game, now get this, the game is a single-player campaign that is co-op, but only couch co-op. Oh, man. And that's it. And it has multiplayer, 
like team deathmatch, team arena, stuff like that. Only so it couch co op. <laughs> it could have online co op, is what you're saying. It, yeah, it, it doesn't. Even, the multiplayer, the the deathmatch multiplayer, is also just co op, uh, couch co op. Oh, it's all split oh, screen. Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, it's all split screen. All of it. Because wow. so, we were going, we were you know before we reviewed it, we're like, well, let's just go off and play the multiplayer because we read that the co-op was just for for the campaign was couch. And it's like, okay, well, let's go play this. You know, we all select the modes. It's like, you know, turn on the second controller or whatever. And we're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> like, mean, what game nowadays like... has just multiplayer that's not online, right? I right. mean, it's like netcode is still hard. Just because it's been done doesn't make it easy, but. You also can't say that you're not able to do something difficult when you've got an IP that that's that's that big. Like, I it would be understandable if it's like company's first game, you know, or even second or third, and they're not an online company. But to have an IP that big and then only offer like 2000 era multiplayer couch co-op and 64 style, like uh that's a little bit rough oh yeah and in the gameplay the, the campaign was um a mixture of this um enemies come after you and you you have to defend a position then um you go to the next location which was defend these turrets and then the next location was like um is something along the lines of, of of doing the same thing, and it was pretty much that aspect of just spawn enemies, kill, go to the next area, and that's what the game was, rinse and repeat. I mean, even the weird thing about the game too was it had side missions that you could do where you could, it would say like, oh, while you're in this area, you can collect this intel. Okay, great. You find the intel. Well, every time you picked up a piece of intel, enemies would spawn. <laughs> for every, it may say like pick up three folders you pick up one enemies will spawn you pick up the second one enemies spawn you pick up the third and it's like why this is a side mission you're like telling me yeah. to collect this intel as i go through here why are you spawning enemies every time <laughs> right right so just really tedious it sounds like it is very tedious it's a it's a really 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 horrible game i don't ever <laughs> want to play it again <laughs> Well, so you said Final Fantasy three slash six would be your your all time favorite game. So, you know, in the last couple of years, what's your, what's the favorite thing that you've picked up? In the last few years, um, yeah. Um, I, I would say w one of my other really fa uh, uh, ones that I like that's been in the last couple of years has been uh, near uh, the new near game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good. That's an awesome game. If no one's ever played it. You should just stop and go play it right now because it's I mean, a fantastic have, game. And the but, I love the soundtrack from that game. The soundtrack yeah. is awesome. I, I, what I've played of it, I think it's excellent. I, for whatever reason, haven't beat it because I'm bad at beating games. But you uh, yeah. <laughs> just add that to the list of the games that he should beat. Yeah, sure. <laughs> just almost all of them. All I of own. them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> including several that we're still wanting to review eventually. <laughs> <laughs> you should play you should play that one that one's a great game um yeah no that's an excellent choice near automata is it's just cool how how many like sub genres of game it packs in oh know? yeah yeah because like when it starts out it's like a uh a shoot 'em up you know yep. Shoot 'em up. Shoot 'em up. yep yeah 
which yeah, I wish yeah. they had more of that in that game. I think that's the only part where, well, I, actually, I think there's a second part where you do it, but I can't remember. Yeah, and it, well, and it, like, it'll randomly kind of just transition to being like a locked-in 2D camera. So right. even though the buttons are all the same, it looks like a 2D brawler versus the 3D game that it really is or whatever. Right, exactly. Yeah, and the you know, like I said, the 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 story the story is really good in that game, and the and the soundtrack is fantastic. I love the soundtrack in that game. I mm-hmm. like I just sit there and just listen to the music, you know. In that right, game. yeah, it's always a good sign when you can just pull the soundtrack up in your music player of choice, and and the fact that soundtracks for games exist in music players at all is awesome. But mm-hmm. but just a, that's for me the sign of a great game is just like if I want to listen to the soundtrack while I do other things like mm, it's, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, some of the other ones, uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Oh yeah. For PS4, that's a fantastic game. Uh, the multiplayer that they introduced after the fact is really fun too. Is it? I haven't actually had, had a chance to try that yet, but I thought it was the best open world action game that I'd played. I don't know in a very long time. Like. Now I haven't played Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I haven't really played. I haven't really played the Assassin's Creed reboots, if you want to call them that. Like since starting with Origins forward, mm-hmm. I haven't played that much. But compared to all the old Assassin's Creed games, like Ghost of Tsushima is head and shoulders <laughs> a better game. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. When I got that one, like our little podcast group, you know, I, I no one else was going to buy it, and I'm like, oh, I'm a hundred percent behind this. Yeah. As soon as it came out, I did, and I was like, I told them, like, you've got to play this. And yeah. They all went, they're like, okay, they all went out and bought it, except for one borrowed it. And, yeah, they were like, they can't stop talking about how great it is. <laughs> so, so like, it's always a good sign. Yeah, it, it's a fantastic game. And, you know, Sucker Punch, which made this one, they make the infamous series. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they, they knocked it out of the park with this one. This is uh, a great game. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So I, I got to ask, it's, it's, you know, kind of the tagline of our show is why gaming matters. And we try to focus on, you know, just the personal societal or, or whatever impacts that gaming has the far reaching impacts. And, you know, I, we try to bring it to, to at least all of our guests, at least once to give the opportunity to answer, you know, in as specific or vague or broad terms that apply to you. What do you feel about or what do you think about? when you know you're asked like why does gaming matter whether it's to you or in general or just however you want to answer uh to me uh, you know i think it's a lot of different things you know it brings a community together brings people together i feel like you know people can get together and play a game for a long time uh they can have a lot of fun with it and you know it's this uh entertainment and also uh, a way to socialize with other people online or, you know, just have a great experience story-wise, you know, it's almost essential as uh, those things like reading a book or watching a movie, you know, especially those games that have a great story with them. Um, you know, video games are a little bit more interactive, but it's still the same sense that you get from those things. So I think it matters in the sense that, you know, gaming can and is for everyone. Um and it can bring a community together. It can also tear some apart, I guess. <laughs> That's beyond the fact. I, I think it's a great, you know, it's a great avenue for anyone to get into. And it's an easy avenue for anyone to get into and to have a lot of fun. So, you know, I enjoy it and I love bringing gaming to others because I think they'll join it too. You know, even if you're not a big gamer, you're going to find something that you're going to like. Um, you know, even those people that don't 
game or the you know those casual gamers or the game people that don't game at all you know they're gonna like something tetris hey everyone loves tetris right <laughs> yeah somebody out there screaming line piece <laughs> yeah no i i uh, i love that answer and that's that's very similar to to how i feel about it um i i feel like there's this stigma and i say this constantly but where people think of gaming as like a toy or something. And and certainly there are versions of it that are that, but as you said, I think it's comparable to any other entertainment medium that we have like books or television or movies or whatever, where yeah, some of it might be silly or meaningless or whatever, but you can also get some very, very significant, like near automata is a great example of, um, of a game that definitely makes you think a little bit about, the world and existence and you know what I mean? More than just the, you know, the, the, what the game itself is about or whatever. Right. I mean, yeah, the story, you know, that game is about, you know, life, basically the human race in a sense and uh, our extinction and, and, you know, kind of this afterlife type of thing, um, but how the world is surviving after the fact. Um, so, you know, in the, and you mainly visit robots in the game, but they have their own life and community and act yeah. as their own individuals, you know, with their own problems, just like real humans. They kind of take the place of that in that game. So, right. yeah, it's a really cool, you know, and you can get a lot of things out of that, you know. Yeah, exactly what you said. You know, a lot of people look at it as a, a child's toy. I mean, that maybe was the fact back when we were kids, you know, with Nintendo and stuff. That's kind of how they portrayed it. Right. right? But now it's portrayed more as a mainstream, um, you know, casual type of mainstream thing where it's no longer a toy. It's a, it's a you know, it can also be looked at for certain games and, and stuff as like a piece of art. Right? Yes. I mean, some games are so graphically and, and you know, Ori is a perfect example. I mean, that yeah. game is absolutely beautiful. Yep. Um, the, just the way they designed it and, the, you know, even Cuphead, how that's designed and stuff, yep. it's all hand drawn and then, you know, computerized and, and stuff. Well, and they don't the take fact. the easy way out either. They, they go all in on transformations and really wild, like it, I don't know, just going to that for a second is like, as much as it's nostalgia for people that grew up with, you know, Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry, like, I also think it's awesome that the new generation gets to experience that style of animation for the first, if that's their first experience with that, and then they want to go see a Tom and Jerry or a Looney Tunes or whatever, that's all. And even if they don't like those things and prefer, like, I think it's awesome that that is still able to be passed down to a new mm-hmm. generation. Right, and that might get yeah exactly what you said. You know that might get those individuals to be more into other things. You know that might get them to go watch some old cartoons or kind of look at that old way of of how hand drawn cartoons were back in the day. Uh, you know, a game story might make them want to read a book series potentially. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if the game was off a of book series. You I know? love it. I was just getting ready to say that earlier this year. You know, Brett's a big Warhammer fan and. Mm-hmm. I have played some Warhammer games, but I don't really like most of them that well. But I think that we're in 40K specifically, but I think the 40K intellectual property is so cool. And so I ended up reading a trilogy of books uh, from the Warhammer 40K universe this year. And it was awesome. And it was really my introduction into Warhammer 40K 
like truly again i'd been exposed to it you know through games and then talking with brett but like now i feel like i understand warhammer 40k in a way that i didn't before because i'm not playing the tabletop game and the video games didn't really hook me but video games are what put me in a position to even think about reading those books you know so to your point it, it certainly can inspire other things for sure well, I think it's super cool that you're doing a podcast, man. I know you've been making gaming content for a long time. You, I don't know if you're still doing your YouTube channel, but I know back in the day you had a YouTube channel where you were doing, you know, let's play type videos and that sort of stuff. Um, and I, I, I know your passion as a gamer uh, is is very strong because we've had a lot of conversations uh, prior to having shows <laughs> about this. So um, I think it's super cool that you're doing it. Tastes different, and um, yeah, if if people want to hear grounded, you know, reasonable thoughts about gaming, just similar to what they're getting here on Pick Up Your Sticks. Um, but no pun intended, it, it tastes a bit different maybe, right? Because you've got <laughs> the four people over there. Uh, it, it is different, but but it's still, it comes from that place of like wanting to have a thoughtful conversation about gaming and treating it as, as art, really, um, not just as a toy. So I think that's super cool, man. Um, I know your website is ittastedifferent.com. Where else can people can people listen to the show? Uh, yeah, we're pretty much on every sort of podcast, you know, thing that you want to listen to, Spotify, and, uh, Apple, uh, Google Music, you know, cool. pretty much anywhere you can get your podcast, you can listen to the podcast. I'm, we also have it on uh, YouTube if you'd rather listen to it there, because I know a lot of people don't like to listen to podcasts on those. They'll just listen to a podcast through youtube or something so i do post it on there at uh, it tastes different so there's a youtube channel um where i post the podcast i also do gameplay from time to time and uh, that that's just kind of random i'll just kind of do something record something and throw it out there when i feel like it so those are just random but i'll do some of that you know um but yeah and then of course you know it tastes different.com where you can get to pretty much uh, links to all the the different places where you can listen to the podcast and stuff. So it's all there in one place, but we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. We're there. Awesome. Cool. We'll make sure to have notes or excuse me, links in the show notes. Uh, yep. So people can click directly on those links and, and go check that out. Um, well, Nick Irwin, thank you so much for stopping by again. The podcast is it tastes different. Uh, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks again. Thank you. So that's all for our episode today. If you like this episode, consider buying us a coffee over at ko-fi.com slash P-U-Y-S-Pod, or just tell a friend about us. It really does make a difference. All of the links and our social accounts are available in the show notes. And if you want to hear more from either of us outside of gaming, Walker's podcast, The Walk Show, talks about the walk of life while interviewing various guests. And my podcast, Dungeons & Dinners, is where the love of fantasy is food for thought.